But uh, I want to point out something to you. When, when I ask the question, what is your favorite season, we assume we're talking about weather, right? That's just an assumption we make when we ask that question, right? But when I ask that question, it could mean a whole bunch of different things. I could be talking about what's your favorite uh, sports season. I could be talking about what's a favorite season of your TV show you're watching. What's uh, your favorite season of life that uh, you've gone through? What is, the, uh, what is your favorite holiday season, right? We talk about uh, Thanksgiving, New Year's, and Christmas as a holiday season, right? So season can mean a whole lot of things. And so we have this series that we're starting tonight called Seasons, but uh, we're talking not about weather seasons, but spiritual seasons, and so we're looking at the different spiritual seasons that we uh, go through, the, these different phases that we encounter when we are following God. And so sometimes things are really good and our faith is growing, right? We're in a season of good things. But other times we're in a season where things are really difficult and we don't even know if God is there. And we go through these seasons they come and go. We all go through different seasons in our faith. We have times when things are good, times when things are bad. And unfortunately, we're never going to get to a point where everything is easy all the time. We're never going to get to a point where we're always thriving and growing in our faith. We're going to face different seasons as we follow Jesus. That's just a reality. So uh, if we learn how to identify the season that we're in, and learn what it looks like to rely on God in each of those seasons, it'll give us the ability to strengthen our faith in all of them. To be able to strengthen our faith in trials, to be able to strengthen our faith when things are good, and to be able to strengthen our faith when things are just average, right? And so these next few weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about these different seasons of faith that we go through. Uh, and so we're going to look at biblical examples of people going through these uh, seasons of faith and how to make it through each of them. Well, tonight we are talking and starting with the season we're calling winter, right? And some of you may love winter, right? We had a few of you that were winter fans, you cold, cold-hearted people. But uh, winter, uh, there's, there's things to like about it, right? We got Christmas, you got the, the snow, you get a break from school, you get to go sledding with your friends and hang out with uh, family and uh, friends at parties. Um, you get to get the always delicious peppermint mocha at Starbucks. Yeah, it's delicious. It's my favorite. So, uh, but when we're talking about winter tonight, I want you to forget about those things, and I want you to think about all of the difficulty of winter. Now, uh, how many of you have ever read or seen the movies for the Chronicles of Narnia? All right, a lot of you. Great. So uh, you know that in the story, there's these kids who stumble upon this uh, land of Narnia. And it was this once beautiful landscape, this beautiful kingdom that's now been covered in the bleak, depressing desolate snow, and it's been covered in winter for a hundred years. There's no plants growing. The water is frozen over. Uh, it's difficult to, to find any food. People are confined to their houses, and it's all because the evil white witch has cursed the land to an endless winter, right? It's always winter and never Christmas, right? It's all of the bad and none of the good, and that's what I want you to think about when we talk about this spiritual winter tonight, a seemingly endless season of struggle. 
In spiritual winter, there is no growth. There is no life because spiritual winter refers to spiritual death. So I want to read a passage for you from the Bible, um, from Colossians chapter 2, that talks to us about spiritual death. And we're going to break that down and talk about it. Here's what it says in Colossians chapter 2. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the, old, um, putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So in this passage that we just read, the author uses two metaphors to help us to understand why Christians should see positive change in their life when they're following Jesus. And those two metaphors are circumcision and baptism. Now, uh, most of you are familiar with baptism because that's something that we practice here at Redemption. That's something that we practice at churches all over the world. It's a common practice today. Baptism we're familiar with. And uh, circumcision, some of you may know what it is, and we don't need to get into the anatomy of circumcision, but uh, we need to think about that both baptism and circumcision were religious practices that were performed to symbolize work that God is doing in someone's life, right? Both baptism and circumcision symbolize the work that God is doing in someone's life. So when Paul starts with a metaphor that says that we're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, he's not referring to a physical event that has happened, but instead a spiritual event, right? Uh, There isn't a change on the outside that you can see about you, but instead it's something inside that is different, right? Paul is saying that your heart has been changed. You think differently. You feel differently. You act differently. And he reiterates this point in verse 12. Take a look at verse 12 with me. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So those of you who have been baptized know that baptism is not what saves you, right? It's instead a celebration of something that God has already done in your life, right? You're looking at how God has taken your life and changed your life. He's made you different, and so you're celebrating that by being baptized. But Paul isn't just mentioning these two things, circumcision and baptism, uh, to remind us of these things that we've done in the past, but instead to remind us of a truth. And that truth is this, that God took us when we were spiritually dead and made us spiritually alive. The truth that Paul is trying to remind us of is that God took us when we were spiritually dead and made us spiritually alive. God took us from death to life, not sick to healthy. He made us from dead to alive. And this was accomplished on the cross because Jesus took the death that we deserve for our sin. 
In Romans chapter 6, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us that when you choose to disobey God, that is sin, and that punishment that you deserve for that sin is death. But when you have faith in Jesus, you no longer deserve that death anymore because Jesus has paid for it for you on the cross. As a result, you're no longer spiritually dead when you have faith in, in Christ. And that's what people mean when they say that they've been saved, that they know they've been saved from the death that they deserve, right? So uh, when I was growing up, I remember frequently asking myself uh, the question, am I actually saved? And, and most of you know, I've, I've said my story in here before that I went to church my entire life, but I really didn't start following Jesus until I was a junior in high school. And so for most of my life, I remember going to church and thinking to myself, am I actually saved? Like, I would ask myself constantly, like, will I go to heaven when I die? Uh, I would raise my hand at church whenever they'd ask you if somebody decided to follow Jesus, because I just wanted to be sure, right? Or uh, uh, maybe you've been in a situation before where somebody says, you know, if, if you want to uh, follow Christ tonight, I want you to, to pray with me. And they say something along the lines of, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and, and uh, I need your help. I need your forgiveness. And I commit myself to following you, right? And they pray some sort of prayer like that. And they ask you to pray. And I was praying that prayer every time because I wanted to make sure that I was actually saved because I was not sure. And, you know, if I had to take a guess in a poll of this room, if you were being honest with me, I would guess that many of you ask yourselves that same question, am I actually saved? And so uh, there is a whole lot that goes on before uh, you are, are someone who is saved by God, right? There's things that happen. It's not just like uh, you, you, you decide to follow Jesus and all of a sudden you're a Christian. Great, right? It, there's more to it than that. And so we're going to get uh, a little theologically nerdy tonight, and I hope that's okay with you. We're going to dive into some stuff, um, learning about some different things that happen before you are saved, right? And uh, when we learn about those, the purpose of that is not just to put knowledge in our head, but it's so that you can look at your own life and say, do I see these things happening? Have I seen these changes occur? And that gives me some evidence to think, yeah, I think that I am genuinely someone who is following Jesus. So uh, we're going to talk about something called the order of salvation. In uh, fancy Latin theological talk, we call this the ordo salutis, but we're just going to call it the order of salvation because we speak English. <laughs> so uh, the first piece that we're going to talk about tonight is what we call election. Now, uh, a fancy term that we're familiar with for like uh, government elections, right? But uh, what this is talking about is something that we've actually already talked about. If you have been part of Gather this year, we just finished a series where we've gone uh, through the book of Ephesians. And several times in that book, but especially in the first chapter of Ephesians, they talk about this idea of election or the idea that God chose you. It's this whole idea that before time began, before God created the universe, before humans existed, before everything you see around you even existed, God thought of you and he chose you. He wanted you to be part of his family and so he chose you to be saved. And so he chose you for no other reason except that he loves you. That is election. That's as simple as that. He chose you to be saved because he loves you. Now, uh, 
we are familiar uh, with some of the bigger pieces of the Bible, and we know that uh, after God created, he made humans, and we have the very first humans, Adam and Eve. And almost instantly, these uh, first humans decided to disobey God. Right? They're, they're in this garden that's beautiful and perfect. They have everything that they need. They've been surrounded by all the food that they can imagine. They've been surrounded by uh, filling every need. They've been given purpose and, and companionship, and, and they are uh, in the presence of God all the time. And God says, there's just this one thing. Don't eat from this tree or you will die. Don't eat from that one. And the forbidden fruit was just too tempting. And so they disobey God, and God curses them to death. And the weird part about this is that when God actually carried out this punishment, Adam and Eve weren't killed, they didn't fall over dead, but instead, God banished them from the garden. Now, how is that death? How is that death? And it's that when they left the garden, when they were uh, banished from that garden, they were separated from God's presence. They were no longer in relationship with God. Their relationship with God had been severed and broken, and it was unrepairable because they had chose to dis disobey him. That is spiritual death. They were separated from God. And so we see this idea of totally spiritually dead. We are incapable of recognizing God's goodness, his truth, we're because we choose to follow what we want to be good over what God says is good. We choose to follow our own desires over what God says. And this is how we are totally spiritually dead. We're totally separated, and we have a broken relationship with God. But then God does this crazy thing called regeneration, and that's the third piece we're going to talk about tonight, where this is the whole idea of you are not just sick, you are dead, like dead, dead. You are spiritually dead. Uh, you know, a lot of times people make this illustration of like you have a terminal illness and, and God has the cure and you just got to take the pill and swallow it, right? But that's not what it is. Like a dead person can't take a pill. They can't swallow a pill. It's not going to do anything even if they got it down their throat, right? You're not just sick. You're dead. You're spiritually dead. And so God does this incredible miracle by taking your dead soul and bringing it back to life. That's what regeneration is. And so this is something that you didn't do. This is something God did for you because dead people can't bring themselves back to life. So God brings our souls, our dead souls, back to life. And then finally, once we are uh, our souls are brought back to life. We have conversion, which is when your eyes are open. You see God. You're spiritually alive, and so you see God's truth. You recognize that he's real. You see how good he is, how merciful he is, how loving he is, how uh, compassionate and how powerful he is. And you can't help but say, God, I see you. I see your goodness. I see your power, and I submit to you, right? That's conversion. Now, you know, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, that this is just the very beginning of following Jesus. All of what we just talked about here, it just leads you to the starting point, right? This is when your faith begins, when the, the starting point of your walk with God starts. We know that when, when we become Christians, we're not instantly freed from all of our struggles and vices. We, we still have this process of growing and working through challenges, 
And this is the things that we're going to be talking in the coming weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, how to move through these different seasons of life. But before we even talk about walking through uh, different seasons of faith, we have to know that we are actually following Jesus in the first place, that we're actually spiritually alive. Because if you are spiritually dead, it doesn't matter if you know how to follow God in spiritually difficult times, because you're spiritually dead. You've got to be spiritually alive first. You've got to be following God, and then we can figure out how to work through challenges, how to uh, run after God in the moments when it's easy, and how to go towards God in the uh, average mundane moments. So the question I want you guys to, to think about as we think through tonight, as we finish this, this opening part of our series with seasons, is when you look at your life, do you see the things leading to conversion? When you look at your life, do you see the things leading to conversion? So think about questions like these. Do you remember time when you couldn't recognize that God is real and that he's good? Do you remember what it was like before you knew that God is who he is? Do you, can you look back at time before you were a Christian and you were following God and see how God was preparing you and leading you up to where you're at now? Do you remember when the light bulb came on and you recognized God's goodness? You recognized that he's real. Now, all of these things uh, aren't necessarily a single event right? A lot of times we try and make it really neat and pretty and say, you know, like, oh, and then there was this moment when I started following Jesus, right? And it's not like that for everybody. It's not like that for me. It was a process for me over a long time of learning what it was like and and seeing God's goodness in action and being able to recognize that and finally my stubborn self going and running after him and learning how to follow him, right? It was a process, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be a neat, pretty moment. That's okay. But what you should see is a difference between an earlier time when you weren't following God and now, because if you don't see any change between before you were a Christian and now, something is wrong, right? Jesus isn't in the business of building complacent faith, Jesus isn't in the business of creating people who call themselves Christians just because they go to church or go to youth group, right? Jesus is in the business of redeeming and transforming lives. That's what he's about. And so if you don't see that in your life, if you don't see Jesus redeeming you, if you don't see him changing your life and making you radically different, then something is off. So when you think about these things that we talk about, these order of salvation pieces, when you look back at your life, do you see that change? Because going from spiritual death to spiritual life has to occur so that you can follow God moving forward, so you can follow God through these different seasons. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're, you're struggling to answer that question, do I see a difference in my life from before I was a Christian to now? then I challenge you to take some time to really think about that. And that could be over the course of this next week or even longer than that. That's okay. But I want to offer to you one thing. If you're sitting here and you're really wrestling with this question, we're, we're going to have the worship band come back up and lead us in worship. But I want to give you some time to talk to a leader. So grab a leader, help, uh, have them help you process through this and pray with you 
through figuring that out because this is seriously important. It is the first step in order to learning how to follow Jesus. So let me pray for you guys. We'll move into worship, and if you need to, grab a leader. They'd be happy to process this with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your care for us. We thank you that you don't uh, make everything perfect for us because that wouldn't.